0: My name is JD, I'm one of the pastors here um, and it's my privilege to continue our conversation today, uh, mission priorities. First of all though, I got to give a shout out to our folks on Facebook live over here. So you can share, say hello. This is a little experiment we're doing, Derek's helping us out. Uh, But if you know, uh, happen to miss one of our uh, worship gatherings, if you're traveling, someone's sick in the household. We're going to try to have that consistently uh, for you to tune in on uh, if you want to check in there. So let's pray before we continue, and then we'll dive into uh, what we have to say today. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, God, we just celebrate your presence with us here this morning, God. It's good to be with your people in your presence, worshiping you. God, it's good to be in the school Uh, We know, God, that you're at work in this school through the vocations of the teachers, the administration, the aides, the engineers, everyone who works in this school, God. We pray that this week that they'd be experiencing your presence, your peace, your love. Uh, God, I pray that you would continue your slow, faithful work of transforming this school and invite us as a community to respond to the ways you're inviting us to do that. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, as I said, we're continuing our conversation this morning on mission priorities. So there's four mission priorities. You have a little insert in your bulletin there that lists them, but they're also here on the screen. Uh, So these are priorities that kind of bubbled up to the surface from our group discernment about what we should focus on as a community this year. So they are gospel and neighbor, sharing the gospel with our neighbors, gospel and race, And today, we're focusing on God at Work, a conversation about how our faith interacts with our work that we do. And then next week, we'll be engaging with the marginalized. And apparently, there's a a competition going on between preachers. Uh, Yeah, so you got to be on my side today, okay? Because I noticed that Michael strategically decided to bat uh, the starting hitter and the cleanup hitter, which might have slighted things in his favor, so... Yeah, boo. (laughs) I'm already making excuses, this isn't gonna go well. But this has been a really great conversation. Uh, We plan to uh, elaborate, if you will, on some of these priorities through different sermon series throughout the year that help to reinforce these pieces of our identity in our community. And in some sense, we're speaking the identity into existence, that these are the sort of people we wanna become and be about. So similarly to last week with this focus on God at Work, I want to give a little backdrop of what that's meant for us as a community. So God at Work is an initiative that we started about three years ago uh, here in this community to talk about how our faith interacts with our work. And we had two conferences. uh, We had some people travel different places. We had two sermon series. We really made a concerted effort for this to become a part of our identity. And um, most recently, Stephanie, uh, Pastor Stephanie and I got invited to be national faculty uh, of a group called the Made to Flourish Network in the U.S. It's a group that uh, helps churches, uh, helps empower churches to have this conversation about work. And I think Stephanie and I are pretty cool, but we're not that cool And we don't know that much about faith and work. There's a lot of other experts out there. And I think we got invited to do that largely because of the story God is writing in this community about how we can participate with him in our work. And that's the whole idea of the God at Work initiative. That's the whole idea when we say God at Work and we want to focus on that. We truly believe that God is at work in your vocations, in the work that you do every single day. And that's a space where we can participate with him in his mission to reconcile the world, to make all things new, and to bring people into relationship with him. So I want to just start just so we can all sort of get on the same page with a couple simple definitions before we dive into the scripture I want to share with you this morning. The first one is, let's just get a definition of work. Okay, my definition that I want to offer this morning, you can agree with it, disagree with it. Come up with a different one if you want to. Mill City folks love to do that, so go for it. Uh, But here's my definition. How we spend our time, talent, and talent to create, cultivate, and sustain something outside of ourselves. Work is not necessarily something we get paid for. So when I say work, I'm speaking of something much broader than our employment, much broader than the work we get paid to do. I'm talking about how we are created in the image of God who is a creator, a cultivator, and a sustainer. And we do that sort of work in our human existence. So I'm speaking broadly about that. Another definition that I just alluded to is job or employment. And it's important to make a distinction here. I would name that as work we get paid to do. And I know that some people's story in this community is that uh, employment is not a thing that's in their life right now for various reasons, but they do so much important work in their life. They live lives of service. They give their time, talent and treasure in other ways that they may not get uh, compensation for. So we can't hear this conversation and immediately exclude folks who don't have the nine to five job or get paid for the work they do throughout the week. Another important definition for us is the word vocation. Vocation gets thrown out a a lot, and it's a word that's associated with work. And how I think it's associated is it's just work that we're called to do. And I think it's important to make that distinction because it could be the case that the work we do throughout our, our, our time isn't necessarily what we're called to do. For instance, you may have a talent that some people think is really valuable, and they may pay you a pretty good salary to do it, but you would say you're called to do other things in your life and you have maybe employment or a job or a role that gives you some sort of uh, pay for that talent that you have and it allows you to do the things that you feel like you're called to. So do you see the distinction between these terms? And I think they're helpful for us in this conversation because it's much broader than what we do uh, with our job or employment. So then it comes to God at work. What are we talking about when we say that? And I think think in a phrase I would put it this way. Collaborating with God in our work. Partnering with God in our work, if you will. I was sneaky and I highlighted labor in collaborating. I hope you caught that. And I liked it so much that I thought I'd point it out to you. Um, But I really think that conveys what we're talking about here. Work is a space in which we partner with God in his mission in the world and we discover our gifts and we celebrate them and it's a way we can get to know God's character and heart and what he's doing in the world. So for far too long, the church has not had this conversation. For far too long, we've indirectly valued spiritual work above what may be called a secular work or something like that. We've said the real important work is the work of missionaries and pastors. And we've even gone so far as to say sometimes, like your work, uh, it's important, but the most important thing is that you make money and give it to the church. And that's just wrong. That is the wrong way to have a conversation about work. And we've worked really hard to talk about work as not just additional to what we do in our lives in relationship with God, but integral to our relationship with God and partnering with Him on mission so at Mill City it really is an integral part of our identity so as I thought about what this focus could be for us in 2017 what focusing on God at work could be uh, the phrase that comes to mind for us a phrase for this year 2017 is vocational stewardship vocational stewardship now, this phrase comes from uh, Dr. Amy Sherman, who's really been a mentor to us through this process, Uh, and this is a word she uses to describe what we're talking about when we say, God at work. It's this idea that we need to ask questions about how we're stewarding the vocations God called us to. So if you come this morning with questions like, how do I steward the gifts and talents God has given me in my life? What is my vocation in this next season? Or maybe you're entering into a new vocation and you're starting to ask the question, what is God inviting me to do? I think all of those questions are vocational stewardship questions. So a phrase for this year might be vocational stewardship. And I wanna share a verse with you, a small verse, but a verse that really packs some punch in terms of this God at work conversation. Uh, One from Amy's book, uh, Kingdom Calling, which I would really highly recommend to you as a resource. And this tiny little verse in Proverbs is Proverbs 11.10. It's found in this proverb uh, where the author is going back and forth between, between talking about two groups of people, the righteous and the wicked, he's talking about. And it, there's this phrase in verse 10 that really captures the heart of what I think vocational stewardship can be all about. And here it is this short little phrase When the righteous prosper, the city rejoices. When the righteous prosper, the city rejoices. Now, the first time I heard this, I did not like it. I did not like what it made me think of. And I began to realize that I come to this verse with certain uh, preconceived notions about some of the words that comprise this verse. For instance, when I hear righteous, my mind immediately thinks self-righteous. And I have kind of this connotation of potentially hypocrisy because of the way the word righteous has been used in different contexts. And I, I, I'm, I'm a kid from a lower middle class working family, so when I hear prosper, I'm a little bit skeptical. When I hear prosperity connected to sermons and uh, Christian things, I think prosperity gospel, so I'm a little bit more skeptical. And I, I'm kind of a Stoic Swede, so rejoicing isn't really in my, like... Uh, Category of things that I do or employ as emotions Uh, So this verse is confusing for me right off the bat I'm like, I don't know if that really resonates with my understanding of what vocational stewardship is or participating with God So I want to dive a little bit deeper into what's going on in these words And as I said, they kind of are rich with meaning if we look closer and the first word that I want to look at is or this phrase the righteous What's going on here in this book and with that particular word? And uh, the word in Hebrew is sarakim. It's this really rich word that means uh, uh, a couple different things, but I think it means at least these three things uh, that we can tell from the context. The first thing it means is they are people who are attuned to God's action and leadership. They are people who are attuned to God's action and leadership. One of my favorite Proverbs that is also speaking about this group of people says uh, in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, it's, it's Solomon telling one of his sons how to live. And he says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding, but in always, always acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. I think that characterizes what the author is trying to communicate about the righteous here. It's not self-righteousness, self-centered. It's primarily people who are attuned to God's action in the world and have the confidence to step towards his action and trust it. Amy, from her book, defines those, the righteous this way, the sadaqim this way. They are those who follow God's heart and ways and who see everything they have as a gift from God to be stewarded for his purpose. So they are attuned to God's action. A second thing that I think this word brings forth is really righteousness and justice sort of coexist together in the Old and New Testament. They really, in some instances, are synonymous. So a definition for the Sadakim or the righteous could be the doers of justice, the doers of justice. And this gets drawn out even more in this particular chapter of Proverbs because he goes back and forth and juxtaposes the righteous and the wicked. And the wicked are characterized as people who stumble on their own pride, who are self-centered. They are trapped by their own desires, it says. Destroy their neighbors with lies. They gossip about their neighbors and slander. They earn deceptive wages. They gain wealth, but not honor. So do you see the juxtaposition here? And this brings us to the last piece of what this phrase, the righteous, means. And I think it means people who put the interest of their community before their personal desires. People who put the interest of the community before their personal desires. In his book, Every Good Endeavor, Tim Keller describes the righteous in this text this way. He says, the righteous in the book of Proverbs are by definition those who are willing to disadvantage themselves for the community, while the wicked are those who put their own economic, social, and personal needs ahead of the needs of the community. Doesn't that give you a wildly different picture of what the righteous might be? Eugene Peterson, in his translation of this verse, says says it this way. When the right living people bless the city, it flourishes. When the right living people bless the city it flourishes so on to the second confusing word in this text prosper like i said when i hear this word in christian uh, context it makes me nervous a little bit because i immediately think of bentley's and jets and god wants you to prosper and wealth is a sign of god's blessing on your life and that is not at all what this verse is saying not at all what's associated with this. This word prosperity might be better translated as good. When the righteous pursue good, the city rejoices. This is a a, a term that comes from an agrarian society. So a society that's familiar with metaphors that have to do with farming. So uh, this is like flourishing, growth, well-being, health. So we can think about it in our own lives as like opportunity, well-being, a chance to do what God created us to do. So this isn't hashtag blessed, okay? This is about the opportunities that God strategically places in our life to live into how he created us to be and talents and gifts that he's given us. This last piece, rejoice, as I said, I'm kind of a stoic Swede, so it took a little bit more study on this one to figure out what they were saying. And uh, actually, to demonstrate this, uh, I actually uh, captured some Mill City folks rejoicing last Sunday, and I thought I'd bring the video along and show you. So let's take a look. Oh, nice. Nice. Hit him. Uh-huh. Yeah. Come on. So you guys aren't in a, as excited as five? I thought you would be. You want a high five? <laughs> You guys know me, I couldn't go a sermon on, that, on championship weekend without affirming my love for the Packers, so sorry if you want to throw me dirty looks afterwards, we can talk and hug it out or something, but that is not what it's talking about with rejoicing in this text, obviously. This word rejoice is really rich. It's only used eight times in the Old Testament, and it's used in particular ways. It's used when there's a season of deliverance, uh, deliverance by God from an oppressor. So, this is a word reserved for when the people of God are delivered from a certain oppression. Doesn't that give you a little different picture about the rejoicing that's happening when the city experiences the good and blessing? It's like this weight is lifted. The community around these people who are pursuing, uh, being attuned with God's action, Pursuing justice, pursuing uh, things that are outside of themselves. The people around him feel the sense of oppression being lifted, wrong things being made right, and their reaction is to rejoice. So, uh, Amy in her book kind of encapsulates this verse with this phrase This is vocational stewardship for the common good. Vocational stewardship for the common good. Another way of saying it would be joining Jesus in bringing a foretaste of the kingdom of God in our vocations. Joining Jesus in bringing a foretaste of the kingdom of God in our vocations. When we had the God at Work conversation most recently, about a year ago, Stephanie uh, shared this illustration about this pink spoon. Do any of you remember this? Stephanie remembers it, that's good. this was an awesome example of that word foretaste that I just mentioned. You may have an experience where you go to a gelato shop or an ice cream shop, and they give you this little pink spoon and give you a little taste of the flavors you're interested in. And it's like you're experiencing what the next 20 minutes of your life are going to be like in a little second. <laughs> and what I'm meaning by this, this phrase foretaste, when we live into our vo- and steward our vocations we are joining Jesus and bringing a foretaste of his kingdom there and then. It's like uh, uh, we are pulling a little bit of heaven into the now, a little bit of what God wants for this world into the now. And we can do that as we live into our vocations, as we pay attention to what God is doing in our work. It's like we're bringing little samples of what the kingdom of God would fully be like if it arrived um, in full. So the key question I think that we can walk away with when we're considering this year in vocational stewardship is, is the city rejoicing because, what, because of what God is doing in our vocation? Think about that for a second. Is your community rejoicing because of the ways you're living into your vocation? Is Minneapolis rejoicing because of the way this community is responding to God in our vocation. I think that's a question that should stay in our mind all year as we work, as we pursue our vocations. You notice that this question is way different than most questions around vocation and work, isn't it? Most of the questions that influence our lives are, are you making enough money? Are you succeeding at what you're doing? Are you climbing the corporate ladder? Are you advancing in what you're doing? Are you proving that you're a hard worker? These are all the questions that are in our mind when we think about our work and vocation. But I want you to understand that the primary question God is asking is, is the city rejoicing because of the vocation that you're living into? That's a a wildly different question. So uh, I want to give you three sort of ways that we can think about Uh, this vocational stewardship. Three ways to think about how this could be your focus area for this year. The first one comes from Amy's book again. She says, bloom where you're planted. Bloom where you're planted. Now, in my life, floral metaphors aren't that motivating. So uh, (laughs) if you want a different one, maybe uh, thrive where you're planted or thrive where you're at. And what Amy is trying to help us consider is how can we really focus on paying attention to what God is doing in the work that's right in front of us and pursuing uh, the best we can to see what God is up to and respond to that. So I want to share a few stories of that. There's so many stories in our Mill City community of you all doing this, and I could spend a whole sermon just telling stories of how you've done this. The first one that comes to mind, I just heard a a, a week ago from Rachel Whiteman, who's a librarian at uh, Normandale uh, Community College. And she is a part of this team that works on this event called Success Day at Normandale. And as a librarian in particular, she puts on this thing during Success Day called um, Human Library. It almost escaped me. Human Library. And this is a really cool event, where she brings together, her and her team bring together stories, diverse stories, stories of refugees, stories with people struggling with a disability, stories of Muslims immigrating to the United States, story of professionals excelling in their career. The idea being that students and people who attend that event get to, in some sense, check out a story and spend time talking with these people who have wildly different stories than they do. And sometimes for these students, it's the first time that they've truly encountered someone who has a different story than they do. And as she was describing it last week, I love the way she put it. She's like, it was like I could experience the Holy spirit right then and there as it was happening. And they didn't even know he was there. That's vocational stewardship. That's the people experiencing something that God desires for them through the vocation of someone in our community. That's a brilliant example of what it looks like to bloom where you're planted. Another person I want to pick on is uh, Daniel Bonilla. He's not here, he's in sabbatical in Costa Rica, so I can pick on him. He's become a good friend of mine and he has an amazing story. If you ever want to take him out to coffee and hear his story of immigrating from Costa Rica, working for a pool company initially and being exploited by the owner and Uh, ending up in Carlson School of Business, getting his master's degree, and now he's a senior business analyst with the city who works in the business development office. And one of the challenges that was put before him when he started working in the city was that fewer than 5% of the contracts with the city of Minneapolis went to business owners who were a minority or, or businesses owned by women or a minority. Less than 5%. So he, over time, worked strategically to rehab rehab the process of of contracts with the city, and now over 20% of the contracts with the city are to businesses owned by women or minorities. If that's not the kingdom of God coming to Minneapolis, I don't know what is. That's something to be celebrated. That's equality coming true in our city through the work of someone in our community. That's someone blooming where they are planted. And there's story after story after story of how you and your vocations are seeing God work and move. The second thing I would challenge us to do this year in vocational stewardship is dare to start something new. Dare to start something new. I know there's conversations. I've heard them among you. Dreams of social entrepreneurship, dreams of starting a new business, dreams of taking a new job, What would it look like in 2017 to have the courage as a community together to dare in some exciting ways? I know there's been conversations about housing and affordable housing and what the church could do about that. There's conversations about memory care and how to come alongside the elderly. There's many of you considering foster care and adoption and jumping into that vocation and journey. Just last week, we celebrated our goal of raising funds for the Sheridan story. And it's important to remember that at the beginning of the Sheridan story, that's now in over 120 schools and all over the Minnesota, it started with some very tough vocational stewardship questions on the part of some of our community members who had the courage to make a a daring career shift to be a part of something new and scary and they weren't sure it was gonna continue. What would it be like for us to discover something like that again as a community in 2017? My third uh, area of focus for you to consider would be asking tough vocational questions, like I just mentioned. How can you be participating with God in the work that you're a part of now? Maybe if you're changing jobs or you're entering into a season where you don't have employment and you're wondering what vocation looks like in this next season, what would it look like for you to ask what God is doing there and how you can partner with them? What would it look like for you to gather people who are asking the same questions? in the same industries and spaces that you're part of. I'm convinced that if we have the courage to be attuned to what God is saying, to do justice, to put others' interests, the interest of our city, the interest of our community, above our own career interests, above our own vocational interests, we can participate with Jesus bringing glimpses of the kingdom of God here in Minneapolis. In your insert, uh, or I have an insert in the bulletin if you got it on the way in. This just shares a couple more practical things that it it could look like for you to pursue this focus area, this mission priority of God at work. The first one is Read Kingdom Calling, the book that I've been referencing. That'd be a great start. Another thing to join, uh, in February, uh, we're gonna have a Sunday conversation about, uh, to see if anyone would be interested in starting a faith and work focused missional community. That'll happen the second Sunday uh, in February, February 12th. If you want to be a part of that, uh, you can email me or just show up February 12th and eat with us after the service, if that's something that interests you. Something to try. You also got in your bulletin. We have a co-working space at the Mill City Commons that's open to anyone who's able to work remotely, or parents who want to do a little work and utilize the kids space. You can come anytime between five, or excuse me, 10 in the morning till five. Uh, Monday through Thursday. We have free Wi-Fi, coffee. You'll be, you can come work with us, bring a friend. That space is open to you. Something to maybe to try this year. Like I just mentioned, gather with people in your vocation. I want to help you do that. So if you say, I work in the nursing profession, I would love to get nurses together to have a conversation about what God is doing in our field. I want to help you do that. So come find me, email me at jd at and I would love to help you make that happen. We have a tool called the Vocational Power Assessment. It's an assessment we've developed off of some of the resources in Amy's book to give you uh, some tracks to run on, if you will, and if you're in a season of wondering what your vocation is uh, next in your life, uh, it's designed to help you answer some of those questions through some self-reflection. I truly believe that if we're willing to pay attention to what God is doing in our work, we can see amazing things happen in our city. And I would hope that as we consider vocation in our lives in the short term and the long term, one of the questions that should be in our minds is, will the city rejoice? When I'm sitting at the end of my days, when I've lived out my vocational days, is my community rejoicing because of the things I was able to partner with God in doing in my work? To close this time uh, today, I wanna do something a little bit different. We've never done it before. I think it should have happened a long time ago. We're gonna have a commissioning. As I said at the beginning of the sermon, uh, the church has over time valued pastors being commissioned and missionaries being sent. For today, I thought, what would it be like if you and your vocation experienced a commissioning? Because we wanna to communicate to you that that is a mission field for you to participate with God in. So I have a really simple process for us to do that today. It's gonna be much like communion if you've experienced it before. The bottom of this little insert, and if you don't have one, that's okay. The bottom of this little insert there is this prayer that some of our pastors and leadership team members are gonna have an opportunity to pray over you. So in the next few moments, I invite you, uh, this is perforated right on the, the black line there. You can take this out, write your name and a work or vocation you're called to in this next year. And we're going to create a moment where you have the opportunity to come up and receive a blessing from one of our pastors or leadership team members to send you out in your vocation. So just to demonstrate, so we're all on the same page of how this is going, I asked Ashish to come and show us how this is done. So you're going to come up to a pastor or a leadership team member. You're going to have your card, and if you don't have one, that's okay. They'll have the blessing right in front of them anyway. And if you're comfortable, they may, may ask you, can I place a hand on your shoulder or something like that? And if you're comfortable with it, fine. If you don't want that, just be like, no, that's okay. <laughs> uh, the person will read this prayer of blessing over you. And I really hope that you can take this over to heart. They'll say something like, Ashish, may God's presence and power go before you and with you in your work of worship directing. May you have the eyes to see and the ears to hear what God is doing in your work, the work that he's called you to do. And that'll be it. So that, uh, in the next few moments, we're gonna take some time to do that. Leadership team members and pastoral team members, if you could come on down to the places in front. Ashish is gonna play some music for us. Let me pray, take some time to sit with this, If you know right away, you can write it down, come forward, come forward if you're willing. If you don't want to participate, that's perfectly fine. If you don't have one of these, the blessing will be there and you'll still be able to receive one from a pastoral team member or a leadership team member. Let's pray. God, you are the creator, the sustainer, the cultivator of life. You created us in your image to do good work by your grace. God, would you forgive the church for not having this conversation? Would you forgive us, God, for not celebrating the mission fields that you've placed in front of us with our vocations and our work? God, may these next few moments be full of your presence, Holy Spirit. May you come on all of us as we receive this commissioning to have eyes to see and ears to hear what you're doing in our work, God. We want to see our city rejoice and celebrate because they have a taste of what your kingdom is like through our work. We want them to experience the joy of your grace, the beauty of your love. We want them to experience what it's like to be in relationship with you. God, now in this time, send us out as workers to collaborate with you in your mission.